0: Hello, and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we attack our most pervasive fears. With truth, because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We are passionate about helping God's children live in freedom. We would love to chat with you online or on social media. Visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and today we're going to be talking about an area that I really stunk in for a long, long time time, an area I know God wants us all to grow in, and that's having the courage and the wisdom and the insight to reconcile. Before I get too far, however, I want to say I am not a counselor, nor do I pretend to be a counselor. I'm just a woman who has experienced increased freedom once I caught a vision of God's reconciling heart and then began to align my heart to His, and that's been such a a process, an uncomfortable, frightening, awkward, often frustrating process, and it probably will be for you as well. But I can promise, if you surrender to God in this area, however he leads, there is such beauty ahead. Does that word reconciliation and all the thoughts and all the images associated with it make your stomach not Are there certain names that immediately come to mind? Maybe people who have been weighing heavily on your heart, leaving you with feelings of regret, maybe guilt, maybe even feelings of failure. Has your fear caused you to not only avoid that person, but has it maybe hindered your relationship with Christ as well? I've been there, and sometimes I land in that place again, that place of self-protection and often disobedience, because God's called me to be a peacemaker and to accurately and consistently reflect our reconciling God, who is at this moment reconciling mankind to himself, restoring us to a right relationship. Now, that's what I'm referring to when I speak of reconciliation. I'm talking about seeking with God's leading and help to restore relationships to how they should be. Reconciliation isn't pretending that unhealthy behavior isn't unhealthy. It's not forsaking your boundaries. We cannot experience the type of relationships God desires without setting and maintaining healthy boundaries. And if you struggle with that, I encourage you to listen to episode 23, The Courage to Set Healthy Boundaries. Reconciliation is about taking the time and finding the courage to work through the gunk that harms our relationships in order to have the type of connections that God desires and that our hearts need. So I'm a recovering people pleaser. I don't like it when people don't like me. And I really, really dislike conflict. The thought of it turns my stomach. I get even more anxious when I sense God calling me to reach out to someone I have experienced significant conflict with. So you can imagine how I felt a few months ago when I clearly sensed God calling me to contact a family member who had hurt and rejected me numerous times for decades. And what made this even harder was the fact that I knew with relative certainty that they were not going to respond well. So I was out on a walk at the time. I'd been praying. I'd been listening to praise music. And God's command hit me out of the blue. I hadn't been thinking of this person. And honestly, I hadn't thought of this person in some time. In fact, I had just gotten to a place about a year prior where I had grieved that person. I had released my expectations and desires for that relationship, which I had been holding tightly to since I was a little girl. And I had finally reached a place of acceptance, a place of peace. So in In other words, I was in a good place. I was in a comfortable place when, in the middle of my prayer, God's voice broke through, calling me to reach out to this person who, as far as I could tell, had zero interest in me, zero interest in reconciling or even connecting at all. And I really wrestled with that. Honestly, I did not want to obey. But I did because I knew regardless of how this other person responded, my God was good and always and only guided me toward what was good. I trusted that he was doing something in me, even if he did nothing in that relationship. So when I got home with a queasy stomach, with clammy hands, I obeyed. And you know what? I got the exact response I had expected, rejection. (laughs) But I also experienced such peace release. Romans twelve eighteen says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, because it isn't always as far as it depends on you, because reconciliation doesn't depend entirely on you, but you and I do have a part. Some of it does depend on us. And as far as it depends on us, we're to seek peace. I mentioned that I had grieved this individual, and I know that that was God-led. He helped me see the pain I was causing myself by grasping for something I would never have. This realization, this releasing of what wasn't so that I could accept what was, that removed my bitterness and my anger. It was a step in my journey to wholeness. But It wasn't the final step. That came two years later on that prayer and praise walk that I mentioned. And after that, after I sensed God's calling, after I obeyed him this second time, I knew I had truly done all I could as far as it depended on me. And there was such peace in that. Peace I'm certain I would have forfeited had I not obeyed. And y'all, the rejection I received after humbling myself in obedience to reach out, that That hurt, but I would much rather deal with the sting of disappointment, with the sting of rejection than the soul-reaching ache of regret and the spiritual weight of disobedience. I can bounce back from a lot of things. I can lose a lot of things. I have lost a lot of things, but I will not willingly do anything That would hinder my relationship, my intimacy with Jesus Christ, my spiritual sensitivity to his voice, and that deep assurance of knowing no matter what happens, I'm resting securely in his will. And here's the thing in obeying, in reaching, now I was tempted to feel weak. In truth, I was strong and courageous, I was victorious. Does that seem odd for me to say that I was victorious, even though it would seem my efforts had failed? You and I are victorious whenever we choose to live by faith rather than fear. And obedience leads to increased strength, growth, maturity, increased intimacy with Jesus Christ, and the peace of living aligned with him. Those are gifts no one can take away. I would have been able to walk in the same victory and peace if God had instructed me not to reach out. I live in victory whenever I seek God's heart and then obey his leading. And I wanted to begin with that story for a couple reasons. First, I think it's important we understand our obedience doesn't and cannot depend on how other people respond or how we think they might respond. We may do and say all the right things, and the other person might still reject us or act hateful. Jesus, the one who is at this moment reconciling all mankind to himself— He receives a similar response from so many people. Some people accept his reconciliation attempts and they enjoy the relational intimacy with their creator for all eternity. Others reject him and spend the rest of their lives in that broken relationship. We have no control over how others respond, but we have full control over how we respond. And God calls us to seek reconciliation, not with everyone, as I'll explain in a moment but I think with more people than most of us do. And there are numerous reasons for this. Every unrepaired relationship only adds to the scar tissue on our hearts, and it strengthens our fears and all of those lies attached to them. And I've found this. That's been true in my life. And when I've chosen with God's help to work through relational rifts, I reveal the power of the gospel. I reflect my Savior, the God who is at this moment reconciling all mankind to himself. Scripture says if you and I have trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation, then we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, in context, this refers to our call to share the gospel, thereby playing a part in God's mission to reconcile sinful man to himself. But our relationships with one another, they play a role in that when we love one another well with equal parts truth, love, and grace, when we pursue relational health and healing, and especially actively seek out unity with other believers, we reflect our Savior. And this is a really big deal to God, so much so that He would rather you and I get up and walk out in the middle of a worship service when He brings an offense to mind. So shortly after giving his famous Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus basically equated an embittered heart to murder. And then in verses 23 and 24, he said, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Notice he didn't say, if you did something to hurt your brother, nor did he say, if you think they should be hurt by that action. No. If your brother has something against you, if they feel hurt or offended by you, stop what you're doing. Stop praying. Stop singing those worship songs. Stop dropping money into the tithing box. Walk out in the middle of church service, if need be. Find the person or call them and talk things out. Isn't that often when we feel that prick, when we're in the middle of worshiping God? And often that's when we're most receptive to His voice and our heart is laid bare before Him. When we open our heart to Jesus, He enters in and He shines His light on every hidden area of darkness so that He can flood us fully with His light and His life. And in that moment, we have two choices. We can shut out His voice. We can choose to deliberately disobey Him. Or we can surrender, knowing while it might feel terrifying to obey, it might make us feel weak and vulnerable and exposed, we can trust the God who's calling us to obey. We can trust that He is good and loving and faithful and always, always has our best in mind. We can trust that He will bring good from our pain and our obedience because that's what He's promised. Let me tell you a story. If you've listened to my Thriving with Chronic Illness podcast, you may have heard me talk about my friend who died of brain cancer. Well, maybe a year before her diagnosis, she learned her husband had betrayed her. He cheated on her with more than one woman. She was absolutely devastated. And she called me wanting to know my advice. And I told her I didn't have any. I knew biblically. She had the right to leave. Scripture mentions infidelity as being a legitimate grounds for divorce, but I also knew God might lead her differently. I didn't feel I could speak on that, but I knew God could and that he would. So I encouraged her to honestly and diligently seek God's heart, to lay her heart and her hurts before him, to give herself time and space to truly feel And then to ask him what he wanted her to do next. And she did. And she sensed God calling her to work toward reconciliation. And I have to tell you, that was so hard for her. She had to battle ongoing sparks of anger, the distrust that his betrayal had caused, and so many other deep, hard emotions that come when those we love and trust stomp on that trust their journey was far from easy. It wasn't pretty, but they stayed together. They went through the hard work of reconciling. And about a year later, she received her terminal diagnosis. And here's why that's so significant. She grew up in a messy, dysfunctional home, so she didn't have any family she could rely on. She could have, probably would have been entirely alone through the grueling treatments, the loss of physical ability, the sleepless nights, but that wasn't her story. Her husband cared for her day in and day out as she went to appointments, as she recovered from brain surgery, as she underwent radiation and chemotherapy, as she slowly but steadily lost her ability to walk, to talk, to see. And he cared for her three boys faithfully. He'd messed up big time. He knew He had messed up, and he absolutely hadn't deserved her forgiveness. And I'm certain when she first sensed God's seemingly impossible call, she felt like she didn't have it in her. But God wasn't asking her to forgive her husband, to seek reconciliation in her strength, nor was he asking her to deny her hurt and her anger. Instead, God was asking her to rely on him, to trust in him, and she discovered he truly did have her good in mind. When he calls us to reconcile as hard and as frightening as it may feel, may we remember that it is always God's desire to flood our souls with life and light. When he does, will we pull back further into the shadows or will we step deeper into his healing grace? So now I want to give a story on the flip side. God led another dear friend in a different direction. Her husband was a meth addict and God showed her that his behavior was harming her emotionally and psychologically, and it was harming her children, their children as well. After much prayer, she realized reconciliation wasn't an option that she could even consider until her husband demonstrated true repentance by getting clean. Unfortunately, that never happened, so she took her boys and she left, and I know that was terrifying and painful and confusing, and I know some of her friends didn't understand. I know she felt judged, but she sought to follow God's heart to trust how he led her, and God blessed her obedience. She's now remarried with a wonderful, healthy, godly man. I'm not going to attempt to tell you when to seek reconciliation and when to walk away. Only God can do that. Only he can show you and he will. I'm just here to hopefully help you find the courage and the inspiration to obey however he leads because disobedience is a dark, lonely place to live. Shadowed living chooses bitterness over forgiveness and self-protection over love and deeply fulfilling relationships. We can become more adept at leaving than staying, at distancing ourselves from others, then from connecting. And that's such a lonely, lonely place to live. Plus, this type of living sends a contradictory and confusing message. We demonstrate a short-term, convenience-based love, and that is far from the type of love Christ shows us. Honestly and humbly seeking relational reconciliation, it might be the most challenging, the most frightening thing God asks us to do. It goes against our pride. It triggers some of our deepest insecurities and it it places us in a vulnerable state. And most of us will go to great lengths to avoid ever feeling vulnerable. If loving others with the same persistent, initiating and reconciling love that Jesus shows us was easy, then everyone would be doing it. To actively seek reconciliation with someone who hurt us who maybe betrayed us, that takes a powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why our love for others, those who have hurt us especially, can provide such evidence for the gospel. Our love for others should shock people. We cannot love others the way God desires in our own strength. We need his help, his power flowing in and then through us. That kind of love speaks loudly. It changes lives, relationships, families, workplaces, neighborhoods, and entire communities for eternity. But like I said earlier, not every relationship should or can be reconciled. We can love and forgive people from a distance. And forgiveness doesn't always mean reconciliation. For those of you who are coming out of an abusive relationship, it probably wouldn't be healthy for you to jump right back in. Nor would that be honest. Unless you've witnessed significant change, God might be asking you to forgive, absolutely, always. To love, absolutely, always. But also to walk away, at least for a time. So love also, it's not just this gushy emotion that we feel. It's the deliberate choice to actively demonstrate the qualities of love. Kindness, gentleness, humility, And God might ask us to do all of those things from a distance. In a recent Family Life Today podcast, author and preacher Phil Waldrop, he warned, and I'm quoting him, betrayers will betray again if they don't see the sinfulness in their behavior or the error of their ways. A betrayer who is unrepentant will justify his behavior. So if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, you may know this from experience. Maybe you've tried time and again to repair a fractured relationship, only to have those mortared cracks repeatedly fracture. I've been there and it can be so, so confusing. I don't have any if, this, then, why answers for you. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm just a woman who's been there, who's had to deal with my own broken relationships, including some really messed up ones from my childhood days, but I had to deal with my gunk first. I had to honestly work on me to invite God into my deepest, most wounded places so that he could bring me healing. And in the process, I had to step away from some relationships where unhealthy dynamics had developed, where I had become a part of those unhealthy dynamics. It's so important that we take time to get healthy. As psychologist Les and Leslie Parrott state, and this is a quote, if you try to build a connection with another person before you've done the difficult work of getting whole, getting healthy on your own, all your relationships will become an attempt to complete yourself. And they'll all fall flat because nobody was designed to complete you. We need to be alert to our blind spots, to our defense mechanisms, to our fear-based responses and false perspectives. Past hurts distort our perspectives and can cause us to be hurt and offended by non-issues. We can live in a state of offense. That's why it's so, so, so important that we always begin any reconciliation attempts by honestly looking at ourselves first. In Matthew chapter seven, Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me get the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your eye. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now that's perhaps one of the most misunderstood verses in scripture. Jesus wasn't saying never speak truth. He wasn't encouraging us to pretend like everything was okay when others hurt us or treat us unkindly. The Greek word, our Bibles translate as judge. It speaks of separating. So basically what he's saying, don't cut that person off. Leave that relationship door open with healthy boundaries and expectations, of course. For example, say your mother has routinely treated you poorly. Here's what Jesus' words lived out might look like. The next time your mother behaved poorly, you could calmly state, I won't accept this type of treatment. I'm going to leave until you decide to treat me kindly. And you see how that leaves the relationship door open, but on healthy terms. The individual then gets to decide, will they interact in a healthy manner or will they walk away? But recognize if they do that, you did not push them away. They chose their unhealthy behavior over the relationship. That's on them, not you. So again, don't immediately cut the person off unless like in the case of abuse, your safety is at risk. Then be smart and get help. In most situations, however, seek to salvage and restore the relationship, but remove your plank first. That might be unresolved hurts, harbored bitterness, a desire to get even, sin. Our planks can be quite diverse, but they have two things in common. They darken our hearts and they distort our vision. Jesus made that very clear in verse five. He said, first, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We need to take time to honestly evaluate ourselves, our sins, our areas of weakness, how we've contributed to the breakdown of the relationship, our false perceptions, all of it. And when I say we need to take time, that's what I mean, because this will take time. But such healing and growth can come from this. In fact, God can use that situation to reveal broken and diseased parts of us that we might not see otherwise. And we need to be able to see ourselves in the other person and their sin, We need to seek to understand them. That doesn't mean we'll agree with their behavior, nor does it mean pretending the action didn't hurt. But this helps to put the hurt, the offense, into context. Consider Jamie's story, for example. Now, I've changed her name for privacy purposes, but Jamie's mother, she never loved her. She'd pop into Jamie's life. She would lie. She would manipulate, always seeking to get something, to use Jamie for some reason. And then she would disappear for lengths of time until she needed something else. Jamie was hurt and angry. And whenever her mother came to mind, all she could see were all of her faults and how terrible she was, how terrible she had acted. But God met Jamie in her pain and her anger, and he began to broaden her view. He helped her see the wounds that her mother had suffered, the fears her mother lived enslaved to that affected her behavior. As a result, Jamie began to see the situation more clearly through a lens of understanding, and so much healing followed because she began to see that she wasn't the cause of her mother's behavior. She wasn't rejected. She wasn't defective. Her mother was simply deeply, deeply broken. And this brought her healing, and it also moved her to compassion. It helped her to stop owning her mother's behavior. So we own someone else's behavior whenever we assume we're the cause. Freedom and healing and the ability to, by God's leading, reconcile comes when we learn to take full responsibility for our behaviors, but we stop taking responsibility. We stop owning everyone else's. When we learn to do that, we experience healing and increased freedom whether or not reconciliation occurs and finally we need to take time to listen so many of our relational breakdowns they stem from miscommunication and faulty perceptions faulty perceptions we will remain oblivious to if we never take the time to truly listen and listen in order to understand and then with god's leading we can begin to take steps towards reconciliation whether that's baby steps as you or your friend or your family member slowly rebuild trust, or whether there's something of a rapid restoration. I know this issue hits some pretty deep wounds for many of you. And if that's you, if you found yourself getting angry or on the verge of tears as I spoke, I encourage you to get counseling. Get help to untangle all of the emotions surrounding whatever relational rift is causing such pain. Give yourself permission to truly feel those emotions and get guidance as to the next best healthy and godly step. Thank you for listening. I hope today's episode gave you some things to think about and maybe to pray over. Maybe some first steps to take. I hope it gave you the courage to honestly, prayerfully look at some of your broken relationships with a determination to follow Christ's lead, however He leads. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. My Holy Love team members and I will be recording another Women of the Bible mini series. I am certain build your faith. I would also love it if you would rate this podcast. That encourages us and it helps others to find it as well. Until next time, may you live with the courage of one who truly has been set free. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, Just head over to lifeaudio.com.